There are men all around us, wise men who have knowledge that we need, but we may never hear if we won't take the time to listen. How can we identify those men, learn from them, and become one of those men ourselves? Our guest, Kent Evans, with The Manhood Journey, gives practical, encouraging advice on this week's episode of The Noble Man Podcast. Well, folks, welcome to the Noble Man Podcast. We're so excited that you would join us again. We're going to continue to talk about mentoring. And my guest today is a friend, a fellow member of the National Coalition of Ministries to Men and the Fatherhood Commission, a guy by the name of Kent Evans, coming to us from Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome, Kent. My pleasure. Man, it's good to be here. Yeah. Hey, tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, What uh, a little bit of background on yourself, just so that our folks know who they're talking to. Sure. In about a week, my wife and I, April, her name uh, is April, and we will celebrate our 27th wedding anniversary. So I've been married awesome. almost 27 years. We have uh, five boys. They are ages 22 down to seven, uh, yep. two, two through international adoption and three through birth. And then our oldest is married uh, in college to an amazing young lady named Gracie. So we got our first kind of daughter-in-law in the last couple of years. So five boys, a daughter-in-law, and an amazing wife. Uh, and I'm based here in Louisville, Kentucky. That's awesome. We're tracking pretty close together because my oldest also is married. We've got a daughter-in-law and I got the grandchild, uh, but he's in Hawaii. So we don't get to see him much. So that's kind of tough. Hey, well, let me let me just jump right into it because Kent, I first got to know you through a book that you wrote some years ago called Wise Guys. Honestly, I was enamored by the title. It's written in 2016. I've got this here in front of me. And, and so I grabbed it and I read it. And, and what I saw in this book and what I understood was something that resonated with me and it fits so closely with what we're talking about there. And, and this is this idea that you wrote this book about relationships and interactions that you had with seasoned men along the way and the lessons that you learned by interacting with them. Is, is, have I got the big idea here? Yeah. How, how would you Nailed it. explain no. your book? I would explain it just the way you did, man. That's exactly right. So what prompted you to write something like this? Why did you see a need to put this sort of concept into print? Yeah. You know, it kind of goes back to the origin story of, of when I was 17 or 18, my parents got divorced. I was super angry. I went to a counselor. Counselor said to me, man, you seem really angry, Kent. You know, like you're really kind of hell bent on not ending up in this situation. And I said, yeah. And he goes, man, here's the problem. The problem is you can't become the unsomething. And I thought that is a very interesting way to say it. Even at age 17 or 18, I can't remember my exact age. I, I kind of got what he said, but I said, what do you mean? His name was Weldon. I said, what do you mean Weldon? And he goes, life has this weird way of turning you into whatever you hate. And so if you hate something, I'll never become my dad. I'll never become my grandpa. I'll never become that guy. You're on a really dangerous path. And I said, so what's the, what's the answer? And he goes, well, you got to learn to get around guys who do have what you want. It could be a good golf game. It could be a pretty wife. It could be good, a lot of money, whatever, whatever you believe you need. You got to figure out how to pull the knowledge out of these other guys. And yeah. so he set me on a trajectory throughout my life of just becoming a learner. You know, I'm not like a pro at it, but I just was, I was always curious, you know, if I meet somebody and they go, you know, I do fly fishing. I'm, I'm just curious. And he, he made me a curious guy. And so then over the course of like from 18 to, you know, 38 or so, I collected all these relationships of guys who'd poured into me. And then in my mid forties, I dumped them into the book. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you, you know, so I want to touch on a point there 
you can't become the unsomething. And it sounds like you were very frustrated and angry with your dad in that situation. Um, I have found, and I think you might agree with this as a father, that there are things about me that my boys say, hey, I love this about you, dad. But this over here, I'm really not so fond of. I want to be like you in this regard, but I don't want to be like you in this other way. And so I find that even though some of us have good fathers, and my dad was a, was a pretty good dad, but I find myself wanting to be like him in some ways and then wanting to find someone else that can help me in some areas where my, my dad, even though he loved me, was deficient. And so I, I think we, would you say, would you agree with this idea that we have to keep our eyes open, even if we had a great dad, for men who can help us in areas of the other deficiencies and gaps and things yeah. like that? I think it's a default setting, like it's a setting of your heart. And the question is, are you are you the kind of person who wants to learn and grow and you see other people as people who know something or have something you don't have and you're going to learn from them? Uh, I think it was either Ralph Waldo Emerson or Henry David Thoreau. I'm not a big poetry reader, but one of them said, every man I meet is in some way my superior. And in that, I endeavor to learn. Um, even Dale Carnegie, right, who's so rich back in the 30s and 40s, he said, he said, if I met a homeless guy, he could show me how to live on the streets because I have no idea how to live on the streets. That's a great way. And so for me, it boils down to not so much do I want to become my dad or not become my dad. The question is, when I, when I bump into people, do I see them as folks from whom I can learn or do I see them as folks that ought to just listen to me all the time? And I yeah. will always be that first guy and be a lifelong learner. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I had Chuck Stecker on a podcast uh, earlier and he said, the person who controls the conversation is the one who asks the best questions. And man, I love that. And so part of, part of this, if you're going to be a learner and you're going to be curious, it's the art of asking the good questions so that you position yourself to learn from someone else. So I, I really love that when I heard from him. Let me, let me read something from your book. This is uh, from, a, from a chapter that said, read this first. Mentoring, the fabled method of learning from others more experienced, talented, or wise than ourselves is mostly dead. And we are to blame, having, all, having nearly smothered him with our flippant indifference and staunch independence. This is most acutely true among us men. We've lost the art of mentoring other men. More to the point, we've lost the art of being mentored ourselves. How, how did we lose this? How did we lose this idea that we need to learn from other guys and and especially in the church, I, th mm. this is an issue that is problematic for us in the church, I think, not just in culture, but in the church. You know, I blame Jerry Springer. Uh, and I'm just, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I, do, I do think there is a modern cultural bit, and then there's a bit that's been around forever that's not new at all. The modern cultural bit is we don't tend to exchange ideas anymore. We just yell at each other, you know, and so social media is great for this where you just spout your opinion. Um, and there's really not dialogue. It's all just, I'm going to monologue at you. You're going to monologue at me. We've learned nothing, right? But we've just yelled and vented. And so I think there's a modern manifestation of it. But the, the age-old manifestation of it is, let me, let me do it this way. Let me, let me test your, your listeners, okay? So there's some guy or some lady listening to this podcast, and I want to give them a quick test. And the test is this. What is wisdom? And so I want, you know, if you're working out, you're walking to the gym, you're driving your car, uh, you're listening to this podcast, what is wisdom? And I find most men, and you and I both are up in front of men uh, occasionally, whenever I ask that question, I get the same three predictable responses, and they're all about half right. 
None of them are very good answers. And it's knowledge, experience, knowledge applied, etc. Uh, age, that kind of thing. None of those are good explanations of wisdom. None. The best explanation of wisdom I've ever found is thinking like God thinks. If, I, if I'm in a place where I see people, I see circumstances, I view money, I view my wife, my kids, my job, just like God would view it, right? I am wise. I am wise. Wow. And it kind of ebbs and flows, right? I may have a 28 seconds of wisdom per day. Who knows? But yeah. bottom line is, if we don't know what we're chasing, we'll have no success in getting it. It's like playing a golf hole with no hole. We're just hitting the ball yeah. and we're running around. So I'm going to loop it all back together and say the reason most men don't chase wisdom through other men is because they don't even know what to chase. So pride gets in the way. Fear and arrogance get in the way. And when we go to a dinner party, all we're caring about is who can I tell about the latest thing I did as opposed right. to learning about what they do and how they can speak into my life. Now, you described yourself as an older teen when your parents divorced, probably being somewhat angry, frustrated, disappointed with how things were going. How did you move to the place where you had the humility and the posture to begin to seek the wisdom of godly men wow. or learned men? How does a guy get to that place? That is a good question. Um, when I was in college, I had a friend who's still a friend. I'm 52 at the time of recording this podcast. I've had one, at least one friend in life named Dave. And Dave and I have been friends since, we both can't remember since when, but way over 40 years. And Dave's dad, John, sent me a letter in college, unsolicited. I didn't ask him. And it was probably the first moment where I read the letter and I just, I didn't really read it. I like drank it. You know, like it was like, it was like, like water to a thirsty guy. I don't think I was saved at that point. I didn't really have a relationship with the Lord at that point. But here was this Christian guy, this dad, who I respected immensely speaking into my life. And Mike, it felt great. Wow. It felt great. He wasn't telling me you should brush your teeth and shine your shoes and get good grades. It wasn't a letter of like instruction. It was a letter of encouragement. And I just remember that's the first guy who I didn't even really seek it out. So God was very gracious to me. God was sure. very merciful in bringing guys into my circle, even before I became a really diligent seeker. But now I'm a, I'm a fairly intentional seeker of that. And it right. just progressed over time. Well, now, so, so let's stop here and, and look back at that because something prompted that guy, Dave's dad, to write that letter to speak into your life. And, and guys, if I could just tell you right now, stop, ask yourself, to whom could I send a handwritten note? Could I make a phone call that did nothing other than encourage a young man and say, hey, I am aware of you, man, keep on going. I think we're missing some of that. And we need to motivate and cast vision for the impact that a godly man could have on some unsuspecting young man like Kent Evans with a touch like that. What would you say to that? Well, one place to look, right, is in if you're an older dad and you have kids who are 16, 18, 20, look at their friends. So that, that's what I was, right? One of the things in that letter uh, that John sent to me was, hey, thanks for being Dave's friend. So for example, there's a dad listening to this right now and he's got a friend, he's got a son who's 18 or a daughter who's 18 and she's got a best friend or he's got a best friend. Write that best friend a letter and say, hey, thanks for being my daughter's friend. 
hey, I've noticed this in you. Thank you for being my son's running buddy. I've noticed this characteristic about you. That's going to serve you well in life. Way to go. Just an encouraging note to one of your kid's friends. Man, it, it just was, it was mind-blowing. Look at those moments throughout your life where God kind of like just tilted you a little. It may have been a 180 like Paul on the road to Damascus, but usually it's like a, a one or two degree shift. Uh, and, and that was one for me big time. Yeah, cool. So I, I, how do we get more people to do this? I think it, something that you just said there, he to notice someone. And one of the things I encourage seasoned men to do in the church is, is go into the children's ministry area and notice a young dad and put your hand on, your, on his shoulder and cheer for him encourage him. They're asking questions that someone could give them some help with. Yeah. Well, C.S. Lewis said it this way, and I can't quote it from memory, so I looked it up real quick, but he said, do not imagine that if you meet a really humble man, he will be what most people call humble nowadays. He won't be a greasy, smarmy person who's always telling you that he's nobody. Probably all you will think about him is that he seemed a cheerful, intelligent chap who took a real interest in what you said to him. And he goes on. It's a great quote. You should look it up. But bottom line is, if we're going to be the kind of guy who finds mentors in our life, we're going to be the kind of guy who approaches every interaction with more questions than statements. And we're going to approach every interaction with the idea, man, what could I learn from this guy? What could I learn from this guy? And I'm always on this like discovery process. Where if I meet somebody, well, this morning I went to breakfast with a couple guys I knew and about four or five guys I didn't know. And we all sat at this big table. And so for the guys I didn't know, the whole time I'm like dropping like depth charges in the water trying to sound out, what do these guys do? What do they know? Because I have become insanely curious throughout the course of my life. And what it's made me is a, more of an asker than a teller. And that's really, that's really unlocked a lot of doors for me. So let's say you're standing in front of a group of guys, and I call them seasoned men. So you're, you said you're 52 at the time of this recording. I'm 53. We're contemporaries, kind of, kind of same age time frame. Churches, I believe, are filled with guys who are our age and older, who have incredible amounts of wisdom, experience, mileage, mistakes failures, wins, the, the whole gambit. They have this incredible bag of life that somebody else could learn from. How, what, what do you say to those guys to cast vision for them, to get them to understand how valuable it is for them to invest in the lives of some younger men? How do, how do we get them off of where they are to, to overcome the inertia and yeah. move them into engaging some younger guys. Um, man, that is like, whew, that is a soapbox I could get up on and just rant for like an hour. Uh, well, we haven't got I'm that gonna, much time, but I'm going to try to put it into a, I'm gonna put it in a small bucket. First Peter 4.10 says, whatever gift you've been given, use that gift to serve other people. I'm summarizing. And then it goes on to say, essentially, that is God's grace manifested in its various forms. So if you're 55 or 60 and you've put yourself out to pasture and you've decided that it's more important for you to like the old, the, I'm sure that guy's comment came from the old John Piper talk about collecting seashells, you know, super famous talk he gave, I think in the nineties. Uh, if your main thing in retirement is to do 
your hobbies and be selfish. No offense. Dads, I love you. Grandparents, I love you. You are, you are taking the gifts God's given you and essentially handing them back to God unwrapped. Uh, because here's the deal. Why do I have the gifts that I have? They are not for me. My, my gifts are for Mike Young. Mike Young's gifts are for Kent. They're not for you. And so if you have had experience, business loss, business wins, marriage wins, marriage losses, kid wins, kid losses, those things create this reservoir of uh, encouragement and even sometimes like cautionary tales. Man, don't do that. Um, you owe it. You owe it to the next generation to go pour that into somebody's life or some the lives of many people. So you got to do it. First Peter 4.10, go look it up. Your gifts are given to you so that you can go serve other people. And I hope that guys use, I, d I did a talk uh, last year for uh, an organization in Iowa, Mike, and the title of the talk was Your Greatest Influence is Now. And his audience, the guy's audience was um, like 55 plus he goes, man, what are you going to say to these people? And I said, I'm going to say that the next 10 or 15 years should be their most influential. We had a pastor at our church who was the pastor of the church from 20, 30 people in the basement to like 15,000 people on a weekend over the course of 40 years. Okay, 40, 40. That pastor retired uh, about 15 years ago. And in the last 15 years, at the time of this recording, I just texted him a few months ago. He has trained over 950 other pastors. Yeah. In his, I know who you're talking about. In his quote unquote retirement. So he might have had, he may have had more ministry ripple impact the last right, because 15 it's multiplied. years. Oh my word. Yeah. Every one of those pastors is leading a church of a hundred or a thousand or 10,000. And so imagine what God might want to do with the next five or 10 years of your life in the winter of your life or the fall of your life. We've, we've got to find these young men and women, and we've got to pour into them. Now, I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned that, you know, the, the gifts that you've been given, the assets that you have, you mentioned wins and losses. So we have some gains. We have some losses. We have some, some ups and some downs. Most guys that I know want to tell me about their victories, but they don't want to tell about their losses because they're embarrassed by them, and they think, man, I'm disqualified by my losses. Mm. Uh, the fact that I've failed in this area or that area makes me not valuable to some other guys. Now, I know how to, re how to view that. I'm curious, what do you say to those guys about the value of their losses and what they would consider negative experiences in their lives? How do they get plowed into the kingdom and, yeah. and turn into fruitful ministry. Well, if you feel hamstrung by your losses and like you don't have a lot to offer, then here's what I recommend you do. Go through your Bible, get, get an X-Acto knife, and cut out every single page of the Bible and just throw it in the garbage. Because here's the deal. If you're not willing to learn from people who've had a lot of losses, why are you reading books by Paul? Yeah. Why are you reading the Psalms by David? Why are you reading the book of Proverbs by Solomon who had 900 wives? Why on earth are you reading your Bible if you think that your losses disqualify you? Come on. Your losses, yeah. if, if you get wrapped in your losses, what we really have at that point, Mike, with the, with, if, if that's where some dad is and he's listening, today's his day of freedom. Today's his day yeah. of freedom. You don't have a win-loss problem. You have a theology problem. And your wow. theology problem is you think God can only use you when you're perfect. 
<laughs> and come on, come on. And so like yeah, that. He proves that over oh, and over again that hallelujah. that's not what he's about. But what's ironic is, what's ironic is we'll use the, we'll use those same Bible verses in the book of Romans or Galatians or whatever from one of the Paul described himself as one of the biggest losers of all time. Like he's like, yeah, I'm the he, least, I'm the worst. Yep. Well, I'm the worst sinner, the greatest sinner. Yeah, absolutely. So I hope it's encouraging. Your losses can be the inspiration now, we don't want to live in the losses like, man, all I do is lose, lose, lose. But here's the thing. When you lost and then you found your footing after that, was was that because you were so awesome or was that because God delivered you? And, and we've got to turn these spotlights back to God. It's not that like, um, you know, I was destitute financially and then I clawed my way back up and now I'm a multimillionaire. No, time out. God showed mercy on me. He dug me out of the pit. He set my feet on a rock. That's God doing that. And so we just got to dissociate ourselves from our wins and our losses and praise God and not ourselves. Yeah, I, I often talk about the difference between wounds and scars. And wounded men have setbacks that have not been resolved by the blood of Christ. Wounded men are dangerous men, but men with scars where they can say, this is how Christ redeemed this situation. This is how God brought me to a new place, gave me new insights. Man, that guy is a powerful kingdom asset. And so those are the stories that need to be told over and over again. And there's some young man, it may be your son, who needs to hear about how God has redeemed some aspect of your life. And it's his glory, not yours that he's accomplished through this. Well, cool. Hey, listen, let's um, let's talk about dads in this because I, I think the most important mentoring job that you get to do, that I get to do is with my own sons. And this is one of your areas of specialty, your manhood journey experience and, and the tools that you've developed for dads. How do we equip dads to mentor their own sons in spiritual development well? I mean, one of the tools, one of the resources, or let's say it's a skill that, I think most dads, I think all dads can get really good at, um, and most dads are really bad at, is the skill of asking questions. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a verse in Proverbs. I'm going to quote it from memory, so it's going to be a little, a little like paraphrased, but essentially Proverbs 20, verse 5, says, The purposes of a man's heart are like deep waters. But a man of understanding, in some cases, it even sometimes I say a man of skill, will draw, draw them, out. them out. If you yep. think of that, um, if you think of that metaphor in its in its like you know how the how the reader of Proverbs would have thought of it, think of the process of going and getting a bucket of water. It wasn't simple. It, it like right now, if I want some water, I you know go up my steps to my you know I get out of my basement and go turn the faucet on water. Well, think about how water used to be gotten. <laughs> at the time uh, Solomon would have written that proverb or they got to go, they got to walk, yeah. they got to carry a container, they got to put the container down, they got to lift the container up. It's not a simple process to draw out a bucket of water. Likewise, getting to the heart of your child is not necessarily a simple process. Right. And if you think it's going to happen just because you decide Tuesday night at 930 is going to be mentor time, well, right. that may or may not work out for you. If you become, however, a really skilled asker of questions, you, you can find, last night, last night, uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday, last night, Tuesday night, my son, who is 18, my middle son, last week or two, he's been a little tense, a little bit extra keyed up, and yeah. all I did last night was I said, hey man, seems like you've been a little tense these last couple of weeks, do you agree with that? That's it. 
bro, we talked for an hour and a half. Yeah. An hour and a half. We were into fear. We were into pride. We were into Psalm 51. We were into sin, temptation, uh, the gospel, God's favor, God's love, salvation. I'm just thinking like that was our 90 minute conversation. And it started with a question. Yeah. Man, Mike, seems like you've been tense lately. Is that true? And then just voila, you roll with the punches, see what happens. And for most dads, here's the here's the one thing you can walk away with. If you want just a practical, easy kind of layup, go to your children today and just find some question to ask them. It, it doesn't even yeah. have to be complicated or spiritual. It can be any question. Just get to the point where you can ask questions and let their heart come pouring out. And then you're going to find yourself holding a lot of information that you can then decide in the moment with God's Holy Spirit guiding you how you handle that information. Yeah. You know, and and I want to say this, man, you're quoting scripture as we are having this conversation. You're a ministry guy. I'm a ministry guy. So, you know, you, you start the verse, I finish it. There are guys who would listen to us and say, I have no chance. I, I, I can't do what Mike and Kent are talking about here. And, and, and I'm just legit because I have guys who say to me, I, I can't be where you are. And, and I want to encourage you, guys, you be who you are. And what Kent said just a moment ago, let the Holy Spirit guide you and just express love to your kids. Be available to them. Keep asking those questions. I know one of the things that I've had to learn is to listen more and lecture less um, yeah. when I when I ask questions. And so if you're thinking, I, I just I don't have the spiritual depth that I feel like you guys do. I'm not sure I can do this. Man, Kent, in, encourage that guy. Here's how I want to encourage that guy. God said he gave us works to do in mm. advance. He also said he would give us everything we need to do that work. What kind of a God would tell you to be a spiritual leader of, her, of your home if you can't possibly do it? So if you believe, if you're a dad listening to this or even a mom listening and you think, oh, I can't be, you know, spiritual leader. I don't know no Bible verses. And that's where you are mentally. No shame in that. No shame in that. However, you do need to know God doesn't want you just to sit around and sit there. And he's not going to ask you to be the spiritual leader of your home if he's not also giving you everything you need unto salvation to do it. Sometimes we confuse what we believe about ourselves with what we believe about God. And we say, well, I can't. Well, I can't. Well, guess what? Neither can I. I've gotten to this place where, I, where I've gotten to this place now, Mike, where I talk to so many dads and they go, I just don't feel like I can be the kind of father my family needs. And I say, congratulations. And they look at me really weird and I go, you've arrived because guess what? You can't all by yourself under your own strength with no help from God, you are doomed to failure and all your kids are going to hell. Like, congratulations. However, however, the good news is that's not where we're left. We're not hopeless. That's right. We're not hopeless. And you know what? You may not be able to do it, but God does want to do it through you. And if you'll let him, you'll be surprised how quickly he shows up. Man, I love what you just, you essentially told us that we project our I can'tness, our inability onto God. And here we go again with the theology issue. And that is that when we say we can't, what we're really saying is God can't. Exactly. And we're having a lesser perspective on the the power of the Lord to work in us and through us to accomplish the task that he has set aside Amen. for us to do. Amen. You know, no one, uh, it, no one was supposed to 
love your wife uh, other than you. No one was supposed to raise your family other than you. No one was supposed to step into those difficult conversations other than you. And the fact that you would even be able to say, man, I'm not sure I can get this exactly right, is a great testament to the fact that you probably have the right amount of humility that you're going to let God work through you. Even when Paul said, man, don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't worry about what you're going to say. Just step into that situation and God will show you what to say, right? I didn't go into last night, just to use an example, I didn't go into my conversation with my 18-year-old last night with some agenda. I really didn't. Right. Well, okay, sorry, that's not fair. My agenda was to see if he is struggling and if he wanted to talk with me. But from yeah. but from there forward, man, that was we're just we're building the airplane while it's flying in the sky, right? I didn't have any plan. I didn't have a devotional. Yeah. I didn't have a scripture I was going to quote. I just said, "Hey man, seems like you've been struggling. Is that true?" And then whoop, on we went. And so and, I think most dads can do that. I really do. And and you know what? One of the things that strikes me about that, Kent, I believe if we would all look back to ourselves as 17-year-old men, 16-year-old men, 30-year-old men, I think we were probably all desperate for someone to have a conversation with us. And we were hungry. Um, there's some real nuggets of truth and help that we've talked about here. Kent, hey, how can guys follow up with you? How can they get in touch with uh, your curriculum, your manhood journey curriculum? Where can guys get some more if they want to hear some more from Kent Evans? Well, I don't know why they would, but on the off chance that they might, we, we have a ton of free stuff, right? Reading plans, yeah. eBooks, blog posts, podcasts. You can find all of them at manhoodjourney.org. That's manhoodjourney.org. And man, we'd love to hear from you. Um, and we want to be here to help dads be disciple makers in their home and and do it in a and do it in a flawed way, do it imperfectly. Because man, I'm just bumbling through this thing best way I know how at age fifty two. That's right. And I do find God shows up regularly and and fills in the gaps. Every day is a mixed bag <laughs> where I may do one right thing, two bad things, one bad thing, two right things. It's always, you know, I can find things on both sides of that ledger. God will step into your messes and your mistakes and turn them into great things. And then when we do some things right, and we will, we will get some days right uh, or some moments right. God can use those in a mighty way as well. So I hope your dads take courage by today's conversation um, because God's power is real. It's evident and it's available to us today. That's right. Well, listen, folks, uh, we've been with Kent Evans today. Man, it's been a whole bunch of fun. We're going to have to do this again, Kent. I'd love it. it was... Uh, it was just a lot of fun talking with you. I thank you for your wisdom and your willingness to share it with our audience. Folks, we're going to shut things down for the Nobleman podcast today. We'll be with you next week with another guest to keep talking about this idea of mentoring and intergenerational discipleship through the local church. We want to see you win in this way. We want to see you investing in other guys. So join us next week and uh, God bless you folks. Take care.